The Eastern Conference semifinals shifted to South Philadelphia, and the 76ers sure as heck showed out. Jimmy Double Day, he jammed it, and a foul on Gasol. Jimmy Butler is helping the Sixers run away from the Toronto Raptors. By the end of 48 ridiculously fun, exciting, fulfilling minutes of playoff basketball, there was little doubt left. If he faking a three, double A, he rammed it in. He windmills a slam. This game is over. Joel and B just windmilled a jam in a playoff game. Oh, man, are you kidding me? So the 76ers rolled the Toronto Raptors in game three. Now what? We posed that question to ESPN's Kevin Arnovitz on this episode of the broadcast. Wow, kind of hard to not still be riding the high of a thoroughly dominant and entertaining 76ers performance, 116.95 on Thursday, building going crazy at the center. And at the end of it all, the 76ers with a momentum boosting, two games to one lead in their best of seven second round series versus their Atlantic Division rival, the two-seed Toronto Raptors. What's going on, 76ers pod people? I am Brian Seltzer. Great to have you along for this edition of the podcast previewing game four on Sunday at 3.30. There, of course, is still a whole lot of series left to be played. The Toronto Raptors are too good of a team to even remotely be counted out. 76ers trying to steadily build and take further command of this series going into game four. We're going to discuss what could be on the horizon for both the 76ers and the Raptors with the outstanding Kevin Arnovitz of ESPN. That is in a few moments, but first, these reminders that to subscribe to the podcast, you can do so on a couple of your favorite podcast hosting platforms out there. Just go to pretty much anyone that is in existence. Type in Sixers Podcast Network. That will take you to our feed, and please do sign up. There is no question... I think for anyone that on Thursday night, 76ers back at home after a hard-earned split versus the Toronto Raptors in the first two games of the series at Scotiabank Arena, came more than ready to play, wire to wire. They were in control, led by as many as 18 points before the end of the third quarter, and that's when Kawhi Leonard and the Raps got going. Cut the deficit down to seven. But then, in the opening stages of an explosive and totally dominant fourth quarter. 76ers went on a 21-2 burst that decided the game. The surge led by none other than Joel Embiid. He was phenomenal and naturally a leading topic of conversation during the post-game press conferences. Where do you start with that Joel Embiid performance? Like, Where does your mind go first with everything that he did up in tonight? I mean, for me, it goes straight to the blocks. Um, you know, we can talk about a windmill dunk, you know, you can talk about some finesse post moves and that, but I go to defense, like that, that's what interests me the most to date with this series. Brett, when Joel is right physically, do you feel like you have the best player in the series? Yes. 33 points, 9 of 18 shooting. 3 of 4 from 3, 12 of 13 from the line, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, 5 block shots. Oh, by the way, in less than 30 minutes. Plus 31 rating. Joel Embiid, the first player in NBA history to go 30, 10, and 5 in under 30 minutes in a postseason game. 
He continues to amaze. Also exceptional in Thursday's victory, Jimmy Butler. He went for 22 points, plus 28, nearly his first career playoff triple-double. Also added nine rebounds and nine assists. And Jimmy Butler in the playoffs, as Joel B discussed, a locked-in Jimmy, for sure. Go ahead, Joe. Give me a combo, man. <laughs> Obviously, he's a great player. Uh, I'm noticing a difference. Uh, you know, playoff Jimmy is uh, a different player. Uh, you know, that's, you know, it doesn't matter. Both um, playoff or regular season Jimmy, um, you know, both guys are the type of guys you want on the team um, because when it matters, uh, you know, when it's the last shot or uh, the fourth quarter, you know that he's going to be there. You've probably heard a lot of talk about this, read a lot about it, seen some footage and breakdown on film. One area where the Sixers were able to exploit Toronto and the Raptors' defense in Thursday's game, pick and roll. Didn't see a whole lot of that in the regular season. Wrote about this in the first round, that you started to see more and more examples, whether with Jimmy Butler or Tobias Harris initiating and being the ball handler in role situations with, let's say, Joel Embiid or maybe even Boban Marjanovic. Um, in the first round series, Greg Monroe now in the second round series. Sixers going more and more pick and roll heavy. And with Jimmy and Joel forming that duo, it was really so effective in Thursday's game. It's been an evolution, part of the 76ers' growth. The more and more the starting five has played together and definitely a difference-making factor in the game on Thursday. The way that they guard pick and roll is a lot. You know, I think it's... You, you have to be able to, to know where they're big and where the guard is going to be. And we talked about uh, getting big fella the ball and make him make a lot of plays. Obviously, he's a, a force to be reckoned with, you know, he's, especially when he's making tray balls like he does, but then attacking the rim at the same time. Um, I think that's how we got to play. You know, you, you get the ball to him, he's going to score and make the right play. Same thing with myself, same thing with Ben. You can go down the line, but all in all, we share the ball. All 76ers at the end of Thursday evening, their defense continues to be outstanding. Held Toronto to 42% shooting. Toronto is under 29% from three in this second round series. That coming from a team that was the best team in the NBA in three-point efficiency at over 40% after the trade deadline, and they picked up Marcus All. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard went for 33. Pascal Siakam scored 20. Danny Green got going early. We didn't hear much from him late. But other than that, Marcus Gasol, Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka, Fred Van Vliet, these are guys that the Raptors need. And they have not given Toronto much at all in this series so far. And to this point, the 76ers, three games in, their talent is winning out. thought they had a great game plan for game two. The offense was a little bit ragged on both sides. The Sixers had to eke that one out. But it was just wire-to-wire, complete domination by the Sixers, 116-95 on Thursday. Where do things go from here? Kevin Arnovitz, coming up. I want to remind you that the 76ers have launched the 76ers Kids Club, presented by Five Below. Membership just $35. It includes a welcome kit, team store discount, Five Below gift card, and much, much more. Be an inaugural member and sign up today at sixers.com slash kidsclub. Also, I want to remind you that the only way to get into 76ers home playoff games in the second round a sweet rental. Your sweet rental includes tickets to the game, parking, gourmet catering, all that great stuff. For more information and to speak with a sales rep, call 215-339-7676 or email tickets at 76ers.com. One of the best there is in the NBA writing game is Kevin Arnovitz. 
it is a pleasure to bring him back on the podcast. Kev, how you doing, man? I'm very well. Excellent. Why don't we start real basic? Were you surprised by Game 3? Um, I was a bit surprised in, in the sense that I've been very bullish on Toronto's defense, and I, I think they have they have a lot of versatility. They have a lot of margin for error insofar as you have smart help defenders that know how to do that. So you can leverage that with more pressure and still not worry about, say, you know, rotating back or, or, or zoning up the backside. I mean, I think one of the reasons teams have to be more conservative is often that they, they, they can't afford to gamble. Um, either they don't have the personnel or the intelligence or, or the experience. And, and so to watch the Sixers just absolutely make mincemeat out of that defense was, was pretty extraordinary. And uh, it just, especially given that, Frankly, the Sixers' offense in the first two games was no great shakes. I mean, they really struggled, even in the win on uh, in Game 2. What do you allow the 76ers to get the Toronto defense so unhinged? Sixers had a multiple attack, a lot of options that played extremely efficiently on the offensive side of the ball. So what was it? What caused the hinges to break off a bit for the Toronto Raptors? I think it's funny because I covered this team in the conference semifinals last year against Boston. And one of the things that I noted is it's a more conventional offense. And one of the things that Jimmy gives you and in uh, the part of me that loved how conventional, unconventional the offense was last year sort of is pained a little bit by this. But, you know, there is worse offense in the world than a middle pick and roll for Jimmy Butler, uh, especially on nights when Embiid feels like rolling, which is actually a really good thing. It really pressures defenses. Jimmy's a better playmaker than he's often you know, given credit for, and you just have sort of interesting options out of that action all over the floor. Like, you know, it was interesting watching Tobias just the minute he's – I'm not a big mismatch basketball guy, but just watching him last night um, – you know, kind of the, the four or five occasions in the first half, he had either a Powell or a Lowry on him, just kind of go to work. And then if he didn't go to work, it went back out. I mean, there was just, I, I was really impressed by, I, I think, just good decision-making. And both Jimmy and Joel talked about it in the press conferences on Thursday night. Just, it, it's also, it, it's not just, uh, look, you've got dominant offensive players, but it's really about what is the quality of decision-making? What is the quality of attention on the half-court? This was a team that spent most of the night in the half-court. I was expecting, and I don't know why I felt this when I got back to the sort of an answer breaking down the game. I, I was shocked at, they only spent nine possessions in transition. And yet, you know, they, they, they just, they were able just to get really high-quality offense. I, I never would have thought that. It's such an you know, in terms of emphasis, it's just always been a real transition-minded team, especially with Ben. But they just made really good decisions, and I think you see that in the turnover numbers. This is always a team that has been vulnerable to the turnover. Part of that is these are sends of, of commission in an offense that relies on the pass historically. Um, part of it is just Joel it tends to be a little turnover-prone in, in the post, but they kept it under control, and to me that, that speaks to the good decision-making. A lot of the talk from the 76ers fan base going into this year throughout the season was monitoring 
and obviously it's something I think that was focused on the national level too, Ben Simmons, jump shot development, that sort of thing. But I feel like in this series so far, especially the last two games and the Sixers wins, we've seen how Ben can be effective with really not having to be called upon in a primary or high-volume scoring role in the way the Sixers have been able to put him in different spots and let the guys around him go to work. Yeah, I mean, listen, always finding places. You know he loves to do? It's interesting to see in the half court. He sneaks behind defense you know he'll get he'll, he'll kind of weasel his way to the baseline and i think that is a compliment and and then to kind of you know make that basket cut and i saw that on a couple of possessions kind of rewatching the game a little bit last night and you know you're gonna have to be creative about it but often what happens when you have really formidable offensive players on the floor which in the half court i mean look you can't take your eyes off jj joel's joel tobias you know is is a one-on-one nightmare and jimmy's jimmy is that you know that guy on ben is often the helper and you know help has a tendency to help (laughs) and that means you can go do things you can pressure the rim there's no reason you know, and, and I think at their best moments, the Sixers half court, one of the signatures of a, of a half court Sixers offense that's working well is, are you watching kind of Ben make those off ball cuts to the hoop at strategic moments? I mean, you don't want to do, be unjudicious about it because you don't want to clog up the lane. Uh, um, you know, he, but at the same time, is just, you know, that, that, that's, that's really effective. And, and that's going to be a key for him until, you know, the shot is refined is how do you make use? And I think of kind of, you know, Tony Allen, and I, 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 I don't want any people to think of that as any sort of a slight on Ben. Tony, Tony was a great player, but he was obviously a really compromised offensive player. But when, it, when the, you know, the Grizzlies were going well offensively, you know, you used to see those basket cuts. He would just slip behind the defense. No one's paying attention. You don't have to honor his shot. Fine. You know, you do have to honor me when I'm streaking to the rim and, you know, somebody else can make a pass and get it to me there. Uh, and, and to the to the point, though, I mean, I you know, watch, you know, Joel needs to be a willing passer. He's got to make decisions. Um, he needs to be able to recognize. I mean, it's my one critique of, of Joel is and even, you know, he made a lot of good. You know, he made about a big shots in game three that, that he may or may not otherwise make. I mean, he's not going to shoot 75 percent from three. He's not going to hit every face up jumper. And I still I think for them to win this series, he's going to have to be. Just be willing to look at a possession, know when the best, you know, that intuitive thing that really great big men have who are ball dominant and in the block is at any given moment, they know what's available. They know at when the clock's at 14, when the clock's at 11, when they're into their move at eight, they know what's going to be available. They are watching JJ's guy. And it's interesting. I I feel like Joel has this sort of, he, he often is looking for, uh, you know, sort of where J.J. is in the floor. But I mean, I think there are going to be other things, whether it's been on a basket class, whether it's Jimmy, which he's still getting used to. I mean, that's going to be the key is is if Joel ever decides he wants to be just he's clearly has the intelligence to do it. Just if he wants to apply it to just make ridiculously efficient plays out of the post, you know, you know, if he can turn two two turnovers a game into smart pass outs. Or, or, or skip passes with, or, or just know intuitively when Tobias is going to cut, and I just think that like that's the refinement that the offense is missing, and I, I think it's an it's a refinement that it can cultivate over time. 
It's such a fascinating part of his game because you see an example like that otherworldly pass he made to Jimmy Butler for the three in game two at Toronto that made it a seven-point cushion down the stretch where you see it there. But as you said, polishing it up, getting it smoothed out, a big part of Joel Embiid's to-do list. Um, has there been any one particular adjustment, and I feel like we've danced around a couple, that the 76ers and Brett Brown have made from game one going forward that has swung the series and the momentum right now, at least for the time being, in their favor? Well, it was interesting because, you know, obviously game two, the, the one that we're all talking, that we all spoke about was the, the cross-matching, the fours and the fives, you know, where Embiid took up uh, Siakam and Tobias did fine with, with Gasol, especially if, if, if Toronto's insistent on just made being a five out offense is not going to use Gasol's gifts. And it's one of my big critiques of them right now is they just have to figure out how to use that guy to facilitate offense. Um, but, you know, I, I, again, I, I just, I, I think that Joel needs the role. It's just so very clear to me that when he pressures the, it just works for Jimmy. And like, if he rolls, Jimmy's going to get a ton of good stuff. Joel's going to get a bunch of good stuff. The weak side is going to be service because when you have you, know, you have an angle pick and roll with Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid, and Joel is rolling, right? I mean, that is <laughs> that that was why it was invented. <laughs> like a big ball handling guard who can pretty shoot pretty well, make plays, has intelligence and guile. And is strong and knows how to draw fouls, and then a big athletic big man with good hands who can basically, you know, is just coming at you like a freight train. Like, what are you going to do? And you know, it's the one thing I just wanted to see Joel do, and he did it several times last night. I was sort of, you know, I, I've just been, you know, I I, I want to see his role numbers up there with Jokic's. Like, that's my goal. Like, that's my goal for Joel is I'm always looking at Jokic's roll numbers per possession or per hundred or whatever it is, and Joel's. And if I want Joel to be with Jokic, and he's not. And But last night, he was, and that was really cool. This series so far through three games, Kev, has had dramatic swings. You had the Raptors convincingly taking game one. Game two, it seemed like the teams met in the middle. 76ers made a few more plays in crunch time, but... It was there for the taking. Game three, Sixers rolled the win. Where do you see this series standing right now? Obvious question, but certainly pertinent going into game four. Oh, it's up for grabs. I mean, I think this is going seven. I just do. Um, Toronto's really good. Kawhi Leonard's a really good basketball player. They have been a very good defense for a, you know for since really at the beginning of the season, and then when, when Gasol arrived and got comfy, it, it's just been outstanding. Uh Game three notwithstanding, and, you know, it's actually funny. You kind of look at some of the more advanced metrics of, you know, what was the, the quantified shot probability, you know, some of the second spectrum stuff that says, okay, if you got that diet of shots on an average night, what do you do? Um, you know, the Sixers had a decent, like it wasn't great. Like it wasn't like they, I mean, they hit, again, Joel hit a bunch of shots he normally doesn't hit at that clip. Um, it's not taking anything away. But uh, I, I just think that Toronto will, will, will solve some problems, and in some ways, and I, I don't tend to be a big narrative guy, but I do think there's something to be said when you turn when you when you just get absolutely mauled in a game. You know, the, the Raptors this morning, in other words, you know, from Friday and Saturday, the Raptors are no longer living in the world. Well, if we just hit some of our open shots, we'd be fine, right? right? Like, like it was a, it was an emphatic enough loss that it demands a quality of self-examination that they probably haven't done yet 
You know, game one, and, and when they lost against Orlando, it was, you know, they got beat up by the Augustine pick and roll. And, you know, they really didn't play with a little urgency. They fixed that. They cleaned it up. They won beautifully for four games. It carried over into the game one against Philadelphia. You know, game two was this defensive slog, and they really, you know, and, and, and there were some serious problems, but I think there was, you know, Nick Nurse, even between two and three, you talked about the 21 uncontested threes. And, you know, I think you get that same diet of shots again, you, you, go, you, you take that to the bank. Um, but this is this. It was a sort of loss where I do think it, it invites a self-examination that a very proud team is. I mean, these are really good veteran players. I mean, you're talking about Marcus Gasol and Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. Um, you know, and, and Pascal's been great, and uh, their bench is having trouble right now. But I think those are intelligent you know, strong-willed players. I mean, I don't think, you know, you, you don't worry that, that Fred Van Lee's not going to show up. I mean, the guy's all about showing up. And so um, they have some issues, and they they need to get bigger, and I don't know how they do that. They really miss Ananobi, in my opinion, because I, I think in terms of size, he would really help them out there. I mean, they they are a little small, and they start kind of getting into the rotation. And uh, and I, I've been less than impressed with the Baca in this series. And that, that poses a little bit of a problem for them. I'll leave you with this just because he's such a talented and intriguing player. Kawhi Leonard, you've been around the Raptors for two series. What are your takeaways from covering Kawhi and, and what he's all about? You know, you really underestimate. I think we don't think about the sheer intelligence of the player. And it's, it's sort of this simple intelligence that, uh, you know, he's so quiet, but I think – you know, in last, I think when things got a little hairy last night, he started to force a couple of shots. But you know, for a guy, it's interesting. I think challenging for me because you know he is a he is a mid range player, and I'm not a huge mid range a fan of the mid range game. Just but but with with Kawhi, it's so studied, it's so calculated. He's so strong. I mean, I, I mean, I think there were like two or three occasions last night he went untouched to the basket in the half court. <laughs> And I don't think they were like kind of traditional dumb breakdowns either. It was just a combination of guile and timing and kind of vision. And he, I mean, he's a guy who kind of watches help defenders' feet to determine sort of where, you know, when when is their weight favoring, you know, the initial assignment? I mean, when is the best moment to go? You know, and he's not. You know, he doesn't have freaky athleticism, which is interesting. It, it's just he's such an unusual and yet dominant ball player. And it's a, it's a pleasure to watch. And, and I think, you know, I, I think one of the things the Sixers are going to probably, you know, going to be up against is I, I think he's the one, one of the few guys in the league who can change a game defensively. You know, I mean, obviously Joel and the size. But I'm talking about as a kind of – and I think we're going to see sort of help defender Kawhi just – you know, on the loose, and it's going to be really challenging. You know, I, I suspect there are going to be moments, big possessions in this series yet to come that might end in Kawhi Leonard grabbing the ball out of somebody's hands. You know, and I think it's a good bet. I would, I would put my over under on that at greater than like two and a half for the final four games of this series. You know, like I, I just think that that's we haven't seen kind of the full force of him. And, and frankly, I, I expect that I expect the Raptors to have a just a kind of a, one of those virtuoso kind of defensive performances, you know, from Kawhi, where 
like they actually control the game off defensively and it, it, it ignites their transition, which has been good and can, and still hasn't though hasn't exploded and they really get loose. I mean, they're, they're going to win another game in this series. I mean, I, I think I, I hope folks realize that and, you know, I, I, mean, I could be wrong, but they're a really good team and it's just a fantastic matchup. Tend to agree. Think there's still a whole lot of series left to be played. Cheers, Kevin Arnovitz. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Always great hearing from Kevin Arnovitz. Much appreciation to him for taking a few minutes to talk. Thank you for taking a few minutes to listen. Big Game 4, Sunday afternoon, 3.30, ABC. The marquee game on the docket that day. Hope it's a good one. We'll talk to you with a Rewind podcast after Sunday's game here on the Sixers Podcast Network. See you.